You're listening to a message provided by Antioch Bible Baptist Church in Gladstone, Missouri. We intend this to be a helpful resource to you as you grow in your walk with Jesus Christ. This is intended especially for those who are unable to attend our worship gatherings and therefore were unable to hear the teaching of God's Word. This should not replace your gathering with our church as a member. If you're checking us out for the first time and are looking for a church to visit, we hope that you enjoy this content and that it impacts you personally. Thanks for listening. If you have your Bible this morning, I want to invite you to join me in Exodus chapter 28. If you're new at Antioch, if you're a guest today, we welcome you to our family. And those watching online, we're navigating our way through the book of Exodus, one of the historical books of the Bible. And the historical books of the Bible really provide for us just a foundation for our faith. That's a good thing for us to navigate through it. Uh, There are challenging passages. Uh, Today is more like a Bible study than a sermon. Amen. That's a good thing, all right, church, kind of working our way through all those things. I appreciate Pastor Steve and uh, his focus on this book and uh, the challenge of the book and what it means. It's really, uh, like I said, a foundation for our faith and what it means to be a part of that. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for the privilege of assembly. We thank you for the truth of your word. Uh, that Exodus 28, 29 would come alive in our lives, that it's not some, uh, you know, uh, ancient scripture that's out of date. It's right up to date. And we thank you, God, for the uh, living word and how that it challenges us and changes us. It's, it's active and it's alive, and we praise you for that. So do your work, I pray, in our lives today, we ask in Jesus' name, amen. Think with me just for a moment about the the impact and the influence of present, just being present. I think about uh, parents and grandparents uh, who are present at your children or grandchildren's events, maybe at school, uh, maybe an athletic event. There's just something about presence, right? Just just being there, just to to be there. Uh, It's important. I think about uh, growing up. Uh, my mom is at the 8.30 service today. Thanks, mom, for being here. She comes at 11.30, but man, you're up early today, so way to go. Proud of you. So that's good to, good to have you. We've got some family here, too. My mom was always present. Came home after school. First thing, opened the door up. Hey, mom. Just, and she was, she was always there. My mom was present. There's something about the dynamic of, of presence and, and what that means, what that looks like. I think about the presence of at a wedding, what that means when you have a family member being married, you have that friends that are there, right? It's just something about the dynamic of that. Or at a, at a funeral, what that means at a funeral, uh, your, your presence. I oftentimes say at a funeral, it doesn't matter what you say and what all those things, it's just that you were there, right? That you were present. It's so important. Uh, my dad passed away 38 years ago, 27 years old. It just rocked my world. And to get that news was overwhelming. And, and I remember... The day after I got that news, I just remember as clear as day, I remember the presence of Mel Burns that came to my house and just said, Bob, I'm praying for you. The presence of a, of a friend, amen, church, and just that time of need. Maybe in today you're just even struggling with something in your life and just the, the, just the presence, not even sometimes even saying anything, just, just being there. Aren't you thankful we have a God who is with us, amen, church? I know we say it often at Antioch, just the way it is. We're around here for a long time. You just hear the same thing, all right? 
But God is not some distant, detached deity. Amen? He's a God who is with us. He's a God who is for us. Thankful for his presence. As we look here through Exodus chapter 28 and 29, we discover the presence of God. Last week, Steve brought it up in the tabernacle. The very presence of God in the tabernacle. We're going to discover today the presence of God in in the priests that were consecrated and and anointed to to lead the people and, and literally represent God and the presence of God by their very presence. Isaiah 41.10 says this, Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will be with you. I will help you. I will strengthen you with my mighty and hold out my mighty right hand. That's the God that we serve. I am a God. He is a God who is with us. With us. So let's look here at Exodus chapter 28. Let me give you three focal points today for our focus. First, a description of the priest's clothing the consecration of the priest's service, the representation of Jesus as our high priest. So this is more of a teaching session. It's good. So I'm not giving fully like a full out sermon. It's a Bible study. Are we going to do that? So kind of get your mindset here. We're going to do some work here and work our way through what God has for us in this passage. Let's look at Exodus 28, 1 through 5. Uh, There's lots of scripture. We're going to read some, and some we'll just refer it as we look through our passage today. Exodus 28, verse 1 through 5. Then bring near to you Aaron. This is God speaking to Moses. Then bring near to you Aaron, your brother, and his sons with him from among the people of Israel to serve me as priests. Aaron and Aaron's sons, Nadab, Abihu, Eleazar, Ithmar, and you, and you shall make holy garments for Aaron, your brother for glory and for beauty. You shall speak to all the skillful whom I have filled with a spirit of skill that they make Aaron's garments to consecrate him for my priesthood. Verse four, these are the garments he shall make. A breastpiece, an ephod, a robe, a coat of checker work, a turban, and a sash. They shall make holy garments for Aaron, your brother, and his sons to serve me as priests. They shall receive gold, blue, and purple, and scarlet yarns, and fine twined linen. So we see here briefly just this introduction to the garments and the clothing of the priest. Uh, the very clothing that these priests wore were the same skillful individuals who put together the tabernacle and the curtain. And it just just represents, these garments represent the very presence of God. The very presence of God. So first, the ephod. Now we've got a little bit of a picture here on the screen of what this could, what it would have looked like for a priest. You can see it on the screen here, the idea. And the ephod was this, this area right here, up here. All right, part of the breast piece. And on that ephod, they had two, uh, an onyx stone here and an onyx stone here that engraved on them were the 12 tribes of Israel. And the significance of that is when the priest went into the Holy of Holies, in essence, he was representing the people of God on his shoulders and perhaps even felt the weight of the shoulder as a priest. If I could be just transparent with you for a moment, 
I'm honored to be one of your pastors. I know Pastor Todd's in the room. Uh, there's five of us. We are honored to serve with you. But there are times that we, we just feel, in a, in a good way, just the weight of ministry and, and the weight of what's going on in many people's lives. We feel that. We have a prayer gathering every Sunday morning at 7.30. We prayed this morning, especially over Pastor Steve. All of us feel that. But as our lead pastor, I'm just telling you, man, it's the way it is, right? He just feels it even more so than we do. And so, amen, just pray for those in leadership. It's so important. So you just feel this, this, what this might have been like for them, this memorial before the Lord. Then we see the breast piece. This is this area right here. One, two, three, four rows, three in a row. Every one of those gems had, again, the tribe of Israel on that, just on his heart. Not only the weight on his shoulder, but the weight of the priest on his heart for people. Don't you feel that as a mom and dad toward your family, right, church? Don't you feel that way about your family, church? I know it's 8.30. Come on now. Okay, come with me here. We just feel, sometimes our heart, just we feel the weight of that, the angst of that. And the, these priests on their heart, they, they, they feel, they feel that. They represent the 12 tribes of Israel. And, and literally, they enter the Holy of Holies on behalf of the people to, to represent them. Look at Exodus chapter 28, 29, and 30. 28, chapter 28, 29, and 30. So Aaron shall bear the names of the sons of Israel in the breastpiece of judgment on his heart. When he goes into the holy place to bring them to regular remembrance before the Lord and in the breastpiece of judgment, you shall put the Urim and the Thummim, and they shall be on Aaron's heart when he goes before the Lord. Thus Aaron shall bear the judgment of the people of Israel on his heart before the Lord regularly. So he, he feels that. that. That phrase here, that's that statement, the Urim and Thummim, Urim represented light. Thummim represents completion or perfection. There's a lot of debate about that, but most scholars concur that this Urim and Thummimim represented two stones, a light-colored stone and a dark-colored stone that would have been someplace in this breastpiece of the priest. It's my understanding they would, they would take that out, and if it was a light stone, it would make discernment for one decide something else, or a dark stone, so they would, they would pull that out, and they would, that's how they would find discernment from God. All right. Now, we don't do that today. We don't pick out of our pocket something. We, we have right here, amen. We have the Holy Spirit and the Word of God, amen, church, for our discernment. But they had that Urim and Thummim was a way they could discern and discover what is God's will. And God's will was always accomplished by that. God's, but they, they, they carried that on their heart. They, they had it on their shoulders, the weight of leadership, the weight of being the priest. Then we see the blue robe in chapter 28. This robe here would just be a robe around to just be a part of the ornament of that, uh, that uh, of the, 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 the garment. It was hemmed with decorative uh, pomegranates and it also had bells on the bottom of it. And, and those bells would, as the high priest went into the Holy of Holies, the people outside, when they heard the bells, they, they would know he is ministering to them and God's ministering to them. There were times when a high priest would go in there 
and there were, the, the bells were not ringing. That means there was the, the high priest died, was dead. Just the, the holy of holies. And if they went in there not prepared, think about that church, the weight of that. And they, they didn't hear the bells. They would know something's wrong. They would actually some, get something and just pull them back out of the holy of holies. Once a year, the high priest went into the holy of holies. So this, he just talking about the, the worship and the seriousness of worship. I, I'm not trying to make a, comp, a comparison between us, but sometimes we can be so frivolous in worship right? This was serious business for them. And so this, these bells would remind people, hey, the high priest is in there. He's ministering on our behalf. He's representing us. If they didn't hear the bells, they knew the high priest was, was dead. The turban. The turban was, was made of fine linen, and it had on, its, on it engraved these words, holy is the Lord. This would be a picture of the turban here. And right here was that phrase, holy to the Lord. Not only on their shoulders, not only on their heart, but on their head, all right? On their head, the significance of a priest representing the people of God. That phrase, holy to the Lord, indicated ownership. It spoke, it marked the priest as one who was dedicated and loyal to serve the Lord. That statement represented his loyalty to serve the Lord as a priest, then there were coats and sashes and caps. These were items to give dignity and honor to the priest, right? That was the, the priest deserved honor, and they would, they would, that gave them honor. There was a sash, again, that would be like a belt around to hold up the garments. And then there were undergarments. Look at chapter 28, verse 42 and 43. This is an interesting passage. Chapter 28, verse 42 43, you shall make for them, the priest, linen undergarments, a.k.a. underwear. Okay, I'm talking about underwear. You shall make for them linen undergarments to cover their naked flesh. They shall reach up from the hips to the thighs, and they shall be on Aaron and on his sons when they go into the tent of meeting or when they come near the altar to minister to the holy place, lest they bear guilt and die this shall be a statute forever for him and for his offspring after him. Now, a few, about, about a month ago, we were in Exodus chapter, chapter 20, right after the Ten Commandments were given. And there was a statement similar to this made by God to Moses. Exodus 20, verse 26. I think it's on the screen here. Do not go up to my altar on steps so that nakedness is not exposed on it. So what's the point? The point was this, in that culture, in pagan worship, part of their worship was absolutely, absolutely total nakedness, was oftentimes part of the pagan worship. Are you with me, church? And so he's saying, that's not who we are, all right? So when you're ministering as a priest, he says, you, you cover your body, you cover your body. It, it spoke of that, literally that, that sexual nature of pagan priest and what they did in the name of worship. So what's the point in our context? I'm glad you asked the question. When it comes to corporate worship, don't be a physical distraction. Does that make sense? Dress appropriately. Don't be a physical distraction when it comes to gathering the corporate worship. I'm not going to go very far on this, but we, we live in a sexualized world. Sex is great. It's God's idea. And I say this, yay God. Right? Yay God. 
in the parameters of marriage with a husband and wife. And so we live in this kind of culture, church, this kind of culture. So he reminds them of the, the, the significance and the importance of honoring God by the way that you serve him. The way you serve him. So we see here the description of the priest clothing. Very detailed, very significant, representing the priest's responsibility to go and be representing the people on behalf of God. Secondly, the consecration of the priest for service. Exodus 29 and verse 1. Exodus 29, 1. Now this is what you shall do to them to consecrate them, that they may serve me as priests. Look at verse 2. And unleavened bread, unleavened cakes, that means bread without, uh, what am I trying to say there? Yeast, thank you. Without yeast. Mixed with oil and unleavened wafers smeared with oil. You shall make them a fine wheat flour. You shall put them in one basket and bring them in the basket and bring the bull and two rams. You shall bring Aaron and his sons to the entrance of the tent of meeting and wash them with water. Then you shall take the garments and put on Aaron the coat and the robe of the ephod and the ephod and the breastpiece and gird him with the skillfully woven band of the ephod. Wow, lots of details there. So chapter 28 presents the, the details of the garment, and then chapter 29 talks about consecration. Before they put those garments on, they were consecrated. They were, they were dedicated to God, to serve God as a high priest, as a high priest. This consecration, uh, the sacrifices, the oil on their head, signified and set them apart in their priestly responsibility and their priestly ministry representing God himself. Now the process of consecration for the kings, for the, the, the priests was, first of all, a, a bull, two rams without blemish. Unleavened cakes, as we read, these were all specific things they put together and the bull and two rams represent a sacrifice. The oil represented God pouring out his spirit on his priests. So to do what they were doing, God says, I'm, I'm going to dedicate you. I want to consecrate you for what you are doing. And so this took place right in the entrance of the tent meeting. You'll find in this passage that Aaron and his, 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 his sons as priests would put their their hands on the bull. Later on, they'll put their hands on the rams. And putting their hands on the bull and the rams represented a, a picture and illustrated they were actually putting the sins of the people on that sacrifice. Does that make sense, church? They were praying. They would put their hands on there. And just a, a, just a picture of, of that animal taking the sins as a sacrifice for the people of God. The first ram in verse 20, not chapter 29, verse 19, the first ram was a burnt offering. That a burnt offering in the Old Testament speaks of a, an offering of, of devotion, uh, an, an offering of commitment. They were committed to serve God. The blood of the ram was applied on the altar in chapter 29 and verse 20. It was put on the ear, the priest's ear, his right ear, his right thumbs. 
his great toe of their right feet. That seems odd. Why? To illustrate their dedication. God wanted life for the animal to mark his consecrated, dedicated priest. So the blood on the earlobe, the blood on their toe, the blood on their right thumb was a visual picture of their consecration and dedication to serve God as his priest. Chapter 29, verse 35 through 37, the entire ordination ceremony of offering the bull and the rams happened for seven days in a row. So seven days, this consecration process was taking place for the priest on this altar. They were also covering in the sins of God's people through that picture of these sacrifices. There were two lambs offered on the altar in the morning and one offered every evening, every day. Every day was given to God. By those sacrifices, they were, they were communicating that their devotion and dedication to serve God and to live for him. These sacrifices were combined with grain and oil and wine and were a sign of their devotion to serve God. In chapter 29, verse 41, it talks about a drink offering. All, all kinds of different offerings were given. A drink offering of wine was poured out as a sacrifice, poured out again as an expression of their devotion to serve God on behalf of the people of Israel. I think that significant statement of, and the picture of consecration and dedication speaks to our heart. One of the most familiar passages in the Bible that we know and read is Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. That this fits right in this section. Therefore, brothers and sisters, in view of the mercies of God, I urge you to present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. That's exactly what those priests were doing. They were presenting their body holy before the Lord, dedicated before the Lord, and consecrated before the Lord as priests. This is your true worship. Do not be conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may discern what is the good and pleasing and perfect will of God. We don't offer up a bull or ram or pour oil or wine on somebody right now. We here, right here, we present our bodies. There's this literal, God, I give my life to you. I give my body to you. Every part of our life we give to God. It's not just a one-time give, is it? It's, just, it's continually saying, God, okay, I'm yours. Amen, church? God, I'm yours. God, I'm yours. He says, I urge you, present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy, pleasing to God. This is true worship. And with that comes the warning, hey, be on guard, man, all right? Don't be squeezed into the world's mold, all right? The lust of the flesh, the lust of the pride of life, lust of the eyes. He said, hey, you, you be, you, you, by God's grace, we stay devoted. We stay committed to serve God in a way that honors him. So we see here in, this, in Exodus chapter 28 and 29, we see the, we see the picture, uh, the description of the priest's clothing. We see the consecration of the priest. And now we transition into the statement here. We see the representation of Jesus as our high priest. These high priests, in, in, in essence, we're representing Jesus Christ to Old Testament believers. And now we see Jesus stepping forward in the New Testament. The Old Testament tabernacle, priest, and sacrifice, what they did 
Every sacrifice given in the Old Testament pointed to the ultimate sacrifice of Jesus Christ and what he accomplished on the cross for us. What a great picture of that, church. Amen? Every sacrifice, every, when that, every animal was killed, the blood that was shed all pointed to the blood of Jesus Christ and his ultimate sacrifice for us. The Old Testament priests speak to the superiority of who Jesus is. He is church. He is our ultimate high priest. Amen? He is our high priest. I don't have to go to a priest. I don't have to go to a priest to confess my sins. I can confess my sins to Jesus. He's my priest. Amen? He's the high priest. And we serve him. Let me just give you some information just to, to, from the text here in Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 11 and 12 puts it this way. But Christ has appeared as a high priest of the good things that have come. In the greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is, not of this creation, he entered the most holy place once for all time, not by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood, having obtained eternal redemption. Awesome. Wow. Amen. Awesome, church. What he's done for us. Our high priest. What Jesus has done for us. In the greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands. In essence, Jesus is our tabernacle. Right? He, he's our tabernacle. And look at this. He entered the most holy place for one time. It wasn't once a year. Just as a one-time offering sacrifice of Jesus Christ. So Jesus, in his sacrifice, let me give you three thoughts here. Jesus exemplifies holiness. See, the priests made daily sacrifices and wore specific clothing, but that wasn't enough. Those priests were imperfect and sinful. Jesus, our high priest, is sinless. Look at this passage here in Hebrews. For this is the kind of high priest we need. Holy, innocent, undefiled, separated from sinners, and exalted above the heavens. He doesn't need to offer sacrifices every day as high priests do, first for their own sins, then for the sins of the people. He did this once for all time when he offered himself. And we all said, amen. Right? Church, that's awesome. What Jesus Christ has done for us on the cross. We don't, he doesn't offer, it's not, it's not, he doesn't sacrifice. We don't, you know, I, I know we can, we can put crucifixions up, but he's not on the cross. Amen, church? It was a one-time death for the sins of the world. I mean, Hebrews is an extraordinary book of the Bible that just displays and describes and defines Jesus Christ is our high priest. He's our high priest. So Jesus exemplifies holiness, and then Jesus personally represents us. Again, he didn't offer an animal sacrifice. He offered himself as a sacrifice. John the Baptist said, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. John 1, 29. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 24. For Christ has entered not into the holy places made with hands, which are copies of the true things, but into heaven himself, now to appear in the presence of God on your behalf. Think about that, church. On our behalf. Nor was it to offer himself repeatedly, 
as the high priest enters the holy places every year with blood, not his own blood. That, that in verse 26, for then he would have to have had to suffer repeatedly since the foundation of the world. But as it is, he has appeared once for all at the end of the ages to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. So those are awesome statements about Jesus and, and the picture and the example of those priests. You know, every year in the Holy of Holies, every day sacrificing a ram or a, a bull to, 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 to cover the sins of the people. Jesus once and for all accomplished that for us. And so Jesus exemplifies holiness he intercedes for us. He's faithful to intercede for us. Did I, did I get that? Yeah, okay, I want to make sure I didn't miss one. Thanks, okay. And this is Hebrews chapter 7, verse 23 and 25. I got a lot of Hebrew stuff up here, man. So it's, all right, here we go. The former priests were many in number because they were prevented by death from continuing in the office. But he, Jesus, holds his priesthood permanently because he continues forever. Consequently, he is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through Jesus, through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. Think about it, church. He, he, he lives, always lives to make intercession for us. I don't have to go to anybody else for intercession. I don't have to go to a priest for intercession. We, we have Jesus Christ that intercedes on our behalf. Romans chapter 8, verse 34 puts it this way. Jesus is at the right hand of God and he intercedes for us. That picture of the right hand of God speaks of his authority. He, sit, he sits on the right hand of God and he intercedes for us. Think about that, church. When we go to God in prayer, he intercedes for us. I mean, even the Holy Spirit prays for us, but things we don't know exactly how to pray. It's amazing what God has done for us in the person of Jesus Christ. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14 through 16. We have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast to our confession, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. We have a high priest who knows exactly what we're going through. We have a high priest who knows exactly how to intercede for us and to take care of us. We have this high priest and this last verse here, here. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Church, we go to the throne of grace. Aren't you thankful that God's throne is not a throne of judgment or hatred or, or whatever you could fill in the blanks? His throne is a throne of grace. Why? That we can receive mercy and always find grace for a well-timed need. Don't we all have a well-timed need in our lives that, that comes up? We, we can go right to God in prayer in the person of Jesus Christ and he is faithful to intercede on our behalf. So we approach the throne of God, not out of fear, not of, out of anxiety, but with boldness. Just, we just can barge right in. 
I mean, in the Old Testament, no way could anybody go in the Holy of Holies. Only the high priest could go there. We, literally, we can, we can jump right into the Holy of Holies in the person of Jesus Christ, church. What a great picture of Jesus, our perfect high priest, who made the ultimate sacrifice for us and makes our relationship with him possible. Do you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ who makes our salvation possible? Watching online, do you have that relationship with him by faith in Jesus Christ? 1 John chapter 5, verse 11 through 13. And this is the record that God has given to us, eternal life, and this life is in his Son. He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have eternal life. These things have I written unto you that you may know that you have eternal life. God has written these things in the Bible so you can know that you have eternal life. Eternal life is not in a denomination. Eternal life is not in being a good person. Eternal life is in the very person of Jesus Christ. And if you're a believer in the room today, you say in your heart, amen to that. Amen, church. Amen to that. If you're not a believer today, you can come to know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. Oftentimes, I'll use an illustration with a, a business card. You know, to go to a ball game, to go to a movie, a concert, you've got to have usually a, a ticket. I know we live in different days now, so you can kind of do everything online with QR codes. But I mean, you can do, okay, you've got to have, so this, this, present, this represents a, a ticket. And the Bible is saying that eternal life is in Jesus. And when you have Jesus, you have eternal life because eternal life is in the person of Jesus Christ. They had that relationship with him because of what he's done for us. Think about it, church, as our high priest. I mean, Exodus is quite the book, isn't it? I thought last week when Steve walked through that tabernacle and brought us through all that, man, what a, just an amazing, now here it did, the garments and the representation of Jesus Christ, it just, it just fills our heart with what God is doing, what God has done for us. Closing with this, considering who Jesus is, what he did and what he continues to do for us, how then should we live in light of Jesus being our ultimate great high priest? How should we live our lives knowing he's our high priest. Let me give you a couple of thoughts here. First, I would say this, serve God faithfully. Serve God faithfully. Right? Don't, don't check out. Serve him faithfully. Secondly, embrace the ordinary. Oftentimes, we're looking for something that's way out there. Don't miss the ordinary. Mom and dad today, the, the, or, the ordinary of of getting your kids up this morning and, and making sure they're here at worship in church, that just, that's just the ordinary, all right? Just the ordinary. Sometimes we want something that's extraordinary. Nothing wrong with that, but it's the everyday, listen to me, church, the everyday just grind of life, amen? Come on, come work with me, church, 830, come on, all right? Amen, church? Amen. Just the grind of, thank you, my grandkids are getting it here, all right? Just be with me now, just the, the daily grind of life, we sometimes just want everything to just be faithful. Right? Embrace it. Move through it, church. It's good. Stay faithful in your prayer. 
Stay faithful in prayer that we can have conversation with God at a moment's notice. He intercedes on our behalf. No prayer is too big for God or too little for God. Number four, I would say this. Let's live out our faith. By the grace of God, live out our lives in a way that represents our faith in the person of Jesus Christ. Do we always get it right? No. Just follow me around for a week or so. Follow me around for a couple hours. man. Do we always? No, we don't. But our heart is just... He's our high priest. We have relationship with him and live out our faith in a way that honors him. Number five, guard against distractions. There's all kinds of things that can derail us, all kinds of distractions out there. Be on guard for, for sin in my life, in your life. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So, so ask God, God, search my heart, try me. That's, that's a great prayer. That's Psalm 51. God, search my heart. You know, create in me a clean heart, O oh God. Restore to me the, the joy of your salvation. Those are, those are great prayers of, from God's word to just give back to him. God, create in me, all right, a new heart. And then make much of God. That we glorify his name. His name is renowned. He's great. All that he's done for us and live in a way that honors him by making much of who he is in every area of our life. And that's an ongoing, life-going process. Amen, church? I say it often at Antioch. For me, it's three steps forward and then two back. I mean, it's always... But thank God for this process of progressive sanctification. If you're saved, you've been justified, declared righteous by God. Now we're in this process of just being changed, right? And so God uses problems and people, uh, you know, adversity, all these things. He uses these things to shape us and make us and to help us grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. I close with this. Surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us run the race not only for the prize, but as those who have gone before us. Let us leave to those behind us the heritage of faithfulness passed on through godly lives. Oh, may all who come behind us find us faithful. May the fire of our devotion light their way. May the footprints that we leave lead them to believe and the lives we live inspire them to obey. Oh, may all who come behind us find us faithful. Father God, may we be found faithful because of your faithfulness. Thank you for the dynamic of your word. It's, it's amazing. We look in the Old Testament and the things that were written aforetime were written for our encouragement and for our benefit. Now we as New Testament believers, we get it. Now we see all this, how these, how the high priest and all the sacrifices now point to you, the ultimate high priest. Encourage us as a church with that. There are people in these seats here, people watching online where life right now is hard. It's challenging. It's difficult in the work environment and in personal issues family dynamics, God, today, do a work in their heart. Do a work in my heart. Use our lives to represent you well. 
And Father, if there's someone in this room today who hasn't put their faith in Jesus Christ, recognizing their sins and that you died on the cross to forgive us of our sin, and three days later you rose again, the resurrection makes our relationship with you possible if we confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead will be saved. Before I close out this prayer, perhaps in this room or online, you say, Bob, right now, I'm not in relationship with God. I'm not, I'm not saved, but I, I want to. And you'd raise your hand and say, that's me today. Before I close out this prayer, you say, right now, I'm, I'm going through a season of, of challenge and and just a season of distraction, just a season not knowing exactly what's, what's going to happen next. And you raise your hand just as a prayer and say, God, just here I am before you. And I always want to, I need you to intercede for me. Just raise your hand this morning and say, that's me today. Amen. Father, thank you for those hands that represent real people. Encourage them, we pray. Thank you again for the encouragement of your word. May to, today and, and throughout this week that we're prompted by the fact that you are with us, for us, that God, you are present. Thank you for your presence in the person of Jesus Christ and the work of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you for listening. You're always welcome at Antioch. If you desire more information, please go to antiochbbc.org. That's Antioch, BBC. God's best to you.